Hallelujah. And Ginny, uh, you wanted to give a praise. You want to do it right now? Can you do it while holding an offering? Um, I just want to praise God for all that he's brought Don and I through this year. And I have to tell you, he blessed us up until the very last minute of this year. Um, last week, the Wednesday before Christmas, our home care company called us and said, our doors are closed. And Don had one IV bag left, and they said they couldn't give us anymore. They just were done. And they... Um, referred all their patients to Southwoods, but our insurance didn't go there. So I, I, my sister-in-law told me to try Mercy Health, and I'm telling you, God works like you would not believe. They said they couldn't take any more patients because they had taken on too many already. And, you know, I talked to her, and I said, is there any way you could take us? I said, he only needs a nurse once a week, and then just the bags delivered. And... Um, she said, I don't know, let me talk to my boss. And I said, well, I'd appreciate everything you could do for us. Well, it took Thursday and Friday all day, and then finally 20 to 5 on Friday, they called and said they accepted Dawn, and they came out Christmas Day. We couldn't come to church, but I just feel we were where we were supposed to be because they had to register him. And I just want to give God all the glory. Um, I know we've had things going on this year, last year. God blessed us, every, brought us through everything. He was always with us and never left us. Just like he says, he never forsaked us. So I just want to give him the glory and thank him right now. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Even if you're down to the last bag, don't give up, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Charles, we ask the blessing on the offering for us. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. And just a couple quick uh, announcements. Uh, next Sunday we're doing communion because we didn't, <clears throat> we weren't really sure who was going to be here. But boy, <clears throat> what a good group of folks we have here this morning. Glad you're starting your new year this way. Hallelujah. And uh, so, but next Sunday we will have communion. And we're going to do a little special communion next Sunday. We're going to um, have... Uh, well, maybe watch your emails or whatever and phone calls. We're going to do something a little different next Sunday for communion. We're going to have more of a prayer time and a, uh, a time together around communion and start off the new year in a bit of a different way. So we'll be doing that next week because there are four weeks in January anyway. And <clears throat> we're all set because the four weeks are all going to be in the 50 degrees, right? For all of January. <laughs> but... Um, so uh, I think those are the most important notes that we have. And uh, amen. Take your Bibles and open them uh, to Revelation, the fifth chapter. Revelation, the fifth chapter. I, I was reading uh, the account of Paul on Mars Hill uh, in Athens. And some things really struck home to me in that passage. And I think I'm going to make this sort of a two-part message and start it 
this week with Revelation, the fifth chapter. And, uh, and finish probably next week with uh, the account in the book of Acts. And, and the, the title of my message is, is a question this morning that hopefully you will have already answered. If not, you will be answering it in the year ahead. And that is, what is your tribe? What is your tribe? And we're going to take a little bit of a deeper delve into this. And I'm, I'm going to take some little different tangents here uh, to help us understand this. But uh, reading in verse 8 of Revelation 5, let's just get the, the whole passage here, 8, 9, and 10. Revelation uh, 5, 8, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. How many know we need a new song for a new year? <laughs> they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation out of very important and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. There are, I believe, uh, two distinct tribes in the earth today. We, we know that from the past. One is a fallen tribe. It's an earthy tribe, uh, a tribe that consists of base and natural people. According to Romans, the first chapter, this tribe, they are professing fools. They are uh, those that worship animals and creeping things. They exchange the truth for a lie. They dishonor their bodies among themselves, and they serve the creature rather than the creator. John picks it up again in his little epistles, and he says that this tribe loves darkness because their deeds are evil, and they lie dead, literally, in the lap of the evil one. So that's a description of the one tribe. But here's the good news. Out of that tribe, there is a second tribe that arises, This tribe consists of resurrected, glorified people. This tribe walks in the light. This tribe operates in a totally different economy. This tribe has a different destiny. This tribe is motivated by love. This tribe gives and doesn't take. This tribe turns the other cheek. This tribe prays for those who persecute them. This is a totally different tribe. As a matter of fact, we are so different and so called out that that's actually our name. Uh, we call this thing a church, but our name is actually in the Greek ekklesia. Ek meaning out of, and klesia means to call. We are the called out ones, just as it says in verse 9 of Revelation 5. Out of every tribe. If you look around, we have every tribe just about represented in this place. And it's out of those tribes that we've been called into another tribe. Uh, we are called literally the called out ones. Now, we <clears throat> say church, and the word church in the New Testament is actually the Greek word ekklesia, the called out ones. We, we say church, but our Spanish friends have it correct. Uh, so uh, on the count of three, one, two, three of you, uh, como se dice church in, igle- in español? Say it real loud. Iglesia. Eso es correcte. Iglesia. Uh, our, our Spanish friends got it right. They took the Greek word, ecclesia, 
and transliterated it immediately into the Spanish language, Iglesia, Iglesia Cristiana, the Church of Christ, Iglesia de, Christ, de Santa Cruz, the Church of the Holy Cross, whatever. So they, they took it out. We took our word church from the German, Kirk. <clears throat> Kirk Road, if you know that or not. We're, we're literally on Church Road. We took it from the Old English and the German Kirk and Kirsha, and we made church. But what, what's a church? What, what's a church? What, is it the thing with a steeple on it? Is, is this a church because it has pews in it? If we took the pews out and made chairs, would it still be a church? What's a church? Is it a church where people go get free food? Is it a church where people go and sing hymns? What's a church? It's a, it's a really non-descriptive kind of word. But when you look at the Spanish name, it's very descriptive. Called out ones. We are the ecclesia out of every tribe, nation, tongue, and people. Out of every clan, we've been called out. Out of every language, we've been called out. Every dialect, we've been called out. Every people group, we've been called out. Every ethnic group, we've been called out. And this tribe that we are in now is now the ruling class of kings and priests on the earth. And maybe we should start acting that way. Oh, come on, let's get a big amen out of that. Maybe it's time we start acting like we're the kings and the priests and that we are the ones whose Savior is going to consume the entire earth. So we are the called out ones. And the number of them, the word says, was later on, was 10, verse 11, I believe it is, was 10,000 times 10,000s and thousands of thousands, the Greek word there is myriad. In other words, it is myriads of myriads of myriads. It is myriads times myriads. It's countless numbers times countless numbers. Well, how many numbers is that? That's who we are. We're acting like we're the minority. We're the mass majority in eternity. Called out. So here's the point today, though. This is, this is what I want to get to, and we'll describe this a little bit more in depth. So you have to hold, sort of bear with me because I'm going to do one of my crazy little detours here, okay? We're, uh, we're, uh, the, the tribe that we see outside of our tribe is led by base instinct and brute force. That's the way it's led. And it naturally divides itself into various tribes because they have to, because the one tribe is going to have to hate the other tribe, and the other tribe is going to have to hate the other tribe, and you're, you're going to have to have tribal warfare. So it divides it. And sociologists are now telling us that in America, we have been divided now into two distinct tribes, and that is the political left and the political right. We have two distinct tribes. But more important, we have descended into political tribalism. We are now in tribalism. George Washington, in his farewell address in 1796, spoke very strongly about a thing he called the spirit of party, not what we just did on New Year's Eve, <laughs> or what some of you did. <laughs> 9.30, our party ended. <clears throat> Whatever party there was, <clears throat> my my mother gave me gave us a a, a a a nut roll. Oh man, was that good? That was our party. <laughs> uh, and he said, "When the country descends into the spirit of party, it will always distract public councils, make weak the public administration." 
It will agitate the community with ill-founded jealousies and false alarms. Boy, did we just live through two years of false alarms. It kindles the animosity of one part against the other, and it occasionally foments riot. That's what he warned against. Don't let that happen. And that brings us to our modern concept of tribalism that we're in right now. And the the characteristic of tribalism is that it is based only on identity and emotion, not fact. Do you ever notice right now that you can't even have a discussion about certain things? If you want to just talk about something, you can't. You can't. It's impossible. You're not even allowed to talk about certain things. It's because it's not based on fact. Uh, a matter of fact, one, one uh, a professor said that tribalism is now even more powerful than intelligence. Doesn't matter how smart you are. Doesn't matter what facts you know. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It is now descended into unintelligible, emotional, that's all it is. It's all emotions. So what we have is we have a person that says, I identify with that tribe because I'm a man trapped in a, a woman's body. I, I'm, I feel at home with that tribe because I'm a black homosexual. I feel at home in that tribe because they believe it's a woman's right to abort a baby. I'm part of that tribe because I'm a gun owner. I'm part of that tribe because I'm a conservative. I'm part of that tribe because I'm liberal. And many, many times there is no thought, there are no facts, there is no rationale, just a spirit of party. I know there might not be a lot of amens right now. That's okay. But that's what it is. Thus, as Washington said, we, will, we have created an ill-founded jealousy and we have kindled animosity between each other to the place where we can't even have a conversation. Then, the, the, the thing that happens is this tribalism becomes identity. It becomes who we are. It becomes our identity. <clears throat> you could, as an example, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. Uh, you can say, for instance, that first and foremost, you are a Yankees fan, which is a stupid example because who in the world is a Yankees fan? <clears throat> and you can say, I want everyone else to think of me first and foremost as a Yankees fan. Or in our context now, here's my pronouns. <laughs> right? I'm a Jim, Jim, the, thang, jing, whatever. So, I know, Layla's chuckling back there because she's in college and she sees it. And she's, you know, all of you young people getting ready to go into the workforce. God have mercy. So I think of myself first and foremost as a Yankees fan. This is the most important thing about me. Without this, I have no identity worth talking about. For this is the primary element of my identity. It defines me more than anything else. It's what I care about. It's who I am. It's how I think. It's what I want. And it's what I do. So this tribalism has now descended into everyone saying, this is who I am and what I am. And that's all it could ever be. And you need to talk to me just that way. Well... Folks, you see where that goes. Our country has descended into that tribal identity. Without logic, without facts, it's all based on emotion. Uh, one of the best examples that we have in recent history is, is the war between the Hutus and the Tutsis. Some of you might remember this from, I believe, the 80s and 90s. The war between these two tribes in, in Africa. Millions died in this civil war. They say at one point, 800,000 people were killed in a 100-day period. That's 8,000 a day, right, if I'm doing my math correct. That's a lot of people dying. Here's the thing. They have the same culture. They have the same religion. They have the same Bantu language. 
Geneticists cannot find a difference genetically between the Hutus and the Tutsis, but yet they hack themselves to death by the millions. Why? Because of tribalism. Emotion. No facts, just emotion. Unbelievable, but it happens. Uh, We have it now in in our country. And and I'm not saying this as a political statement. I'm just saying to show how far we have come. You know, it, it, it was Caligula that wanted to make his horse a senator. But I guess, gratefully, he was assassinated before he could. <laughs> but he wanted to make his horse a senator. So now we have, we have uh, for instance, this, I don't even know the person's name, this man that has become a woman is now a spokesperson for transgenderism, met with the president in the White House, and they're all sitting around talking about how wonderful transgenderism is and how we got to work on this all together. This gentleman, this man that says he's a woman, Do you know who his sponsor is? I'm sorry, it's just the family here this morning, right? Just us. So, Do you know who his sponsor is for all this? Tampax. And our government is sitting and listening to this person. He has a video where he's excited to try to use his product for the first time. And he's in the White House. That's how deep tribalism can go. When all sanity and logic is thrown out the window, what are you going to say to that person? How are you going to lead them to Christ? We're going to talk about that next week. So you have to come back to hear part two. Unbelievable. So here's my question. After all that, it looks like you've stayed with me. I haven't seen anybody leave. So here's my question. What is your tribe this morning? If you identify with the Democrats or the Republicans, I feel sorry for you. If you identify or are defined by your level of income, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, I'm on welfare, I have Social Security, if that's what defines you, I feel sorry for you. If, you, if you're defined by your handicap, if you're defined because you're black or you're white or you're Latino, if you're defined by the fact that you're an immigrant or you have a PhD or you drive a Mercedes or you're a Ford man or you're a Chevy man, whatever it might be, I feel sorry for you. I don't want to be defined by anybody else but the king of my tribe who is Jesus. <clears throat> let, me, let me tell you, as a matter of fact, let me tell you about my tribe. First, let me tell you about the leader. In, in Hebrews, the seventh chapter, the writer is talking about the difference between Melchizedek and the old covenant and all those old priests and things like that. And he comes to one verse and he says, but, but, and this is what's so wonderful, for he, whom, uh, for he of whom are all these things spoken of, which is Jesus, belongs to another tribe. Oh, that's wonderful. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You say, wait, wait, wait. I don't, I don't get it. Hold on just a second. Hold on a second. There are only 12 tribes, right? And he was of the tri- lion of the tribe of Judah. He was from Judah. So what, 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 what tribe are they talking about? I'll tell you what, my friend. They're talking about a tribe I want to be in. And that tribe is a heavenly tribe, a heavenly citizenship. And that's who our Jesus is. Let me tell you about my tribe that I'm in. My tribe is a tribe that walks by faith and not by sight. My tribe is a tribe that prospers in the midst of poverty. 
My tribe is a tribe that dances in the midst of despair. My tribe is a tribe that prophesies in the midst of perversion. My tribe is a tribe that says, what does the word say? I will pattern my life after it, no matter how much it hurts. My tribe is the one that shouts victory in the midst of defeat. My tribe walks on water, hallelujah. My tribe began with men like Seth, who was the first one to begin to call on the name of the Lord, even when there was no name. How do you call on the name of the Lord when there was no name? There was no Jehovah. There was no I am that I am. That was all Abraham. How do you even call on somebody that doesn't exist? Then there were men like Enoch who prophesied in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation and walked so close to God that they weren't anymore because God took them. And how about Noah? Heard an invisible voice tell him to do something that no human had ever done. And by faith for 120 years, he withstood the mockery of every evil generation and saved mankind. And then there's Abraham, a wealthy Chaldean living in a wicked land who hears the same invisible voice that all of his forefathers heard. No name, no scriptures, no confirmation. He leaves his home and travels to a far land and births a nation. And what about people like Rahab the prostitute? Prostitute living in the walls of Jericho, who seeing and hearing accepted by faith and became a member of my tribe. Hallelujah. And because of her faith, she bore a son named Boaz. And through Ruth bore a son named Obed and through Obed came Jesse and through Jesse came David who became the greatest king of Israel and what about Ruth oh my goodness what a woman Ruth that was from Moab who by faith follows her mother-in-law all you women say amen follows her mother-in-law into a strange land with strange people. I wonder, when Boaz saw Ruth, did he think, hmm, that is not a woman of Israel, that's a woman of faith, and I want her. (laughs) Who's in my tribe? My tribe has three wise men that follow a star and recognize a Messiah when God's own people were blind, deaf, and dumb, bound by the emotion of their tribe. Oh, he that hath an ear, let him hear. Don't be bound by the emotion of any tribe today. Don't be bound by any emotion. Be bound by the word of God. So there he was. Three sorcerers that knew the truth. That's my tribe. (laughs) Hallelujah. How about a little woman with an issue of blood? Dirty and perverse according to her society, but presses through a crowd to touch Jesus. How about a Roman centurion with a dying daughter who by faith came to Jesus? And although he was wealthy, centurions were wealthy, had access to everything that Rome had to offer. He says, I've tried everything. I've tried every tribe. And now, Jesus, I need you to heal my daughter. Oh, well, don't worry, brother. Your daughter just died. That's okay, he says. You still speak the word. You still come and heal my daughter. That's my kind of tribe. The Roman centurion named Cornelius who says I've seen every tribe I've been on every campaign to every part of the empire I've seen every tribe there is to try to see but right now I want to see this new tribe with a guy named Peter I want to hear about it how about a black-skinned Ethiopian eunuch who didn't even know what he was reading but yet the Holy Spirit opened his eyes through through the prophet and behold he brought the gospel down. that's my tribe my tribe follows a God even when there are no commandments written on stone my tribe follows the voice of the Holy Spirit when there is no written book. My tribe follows this, thus saith the Lord, and does it. You can keep your earthly tribe. I'll take my so great a cloud of witnesses tribe that's in heaven right now because that's where we're all headed. 
You, you can keep all your tribes that vie for power. They, they, the, all those tribes that break out storefront windows and steal. They're looting in Buffalo. How in the world is a flat screen TV going to keep you warm? Looting and buff. You can keep that tribe. You can keep that tribe that prances around in women's clothing. You can keep that tribe that rips babies out of wombs. You can keep all that. I choose to continue to identify myself with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Elijah, Paul, Peter, and of course Jesus from that other tribe. Hallelujah. That's the tribe I want to be in. Out of every tribe we have come never forget who you are this morning you are not the church you are the called out ones you're the ecclesia you've been called out you have been called up we are in an upward call moving toward the prize that is in Jesus now here's the difficult part though and this is what we'll talk about next week how do we reach those tribes How do you reach someone that is really certifiably insane? Much of our society now is certifiably insane. Do you know, there are several psychologists that are now saying, in 20 to 50 years, we're going to look back and say, what a shame it was that we put these transgender people into power and let them do what they wanted to do. They should have been clinically helped. We should have done something to help them. Instead, we made them celebrities so how do we reach them how do we reach the alcoholic how do we reach the drug addict how do we reach that corrupt businessman that can only think of money how do we reach that person that is bound in their tribal emotion I believe Paul gives us some ideas in his ministry on Athens and I'm telling you it's a little different than I think what we're used to but I believe the Holy Spirit is going to open us up into that. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I am secure in my tribe today. I don't have to worry about anybody stealing my tribe, taking my tribe. I don't care what that tribe does out there. We have lived, do you know the church of Jesus Christ has lived through so many tribes? And I've had several people say to me, well, you know, it's, it's getting pretty bad. It's getting so bad. This has got to be near the end. It's got to be, you know what, folks, I hate to tell you this. I, it, you can get mad at me. That's fine. I believe in Jesus' return, and I hope it's in my lifetime. But I think it's got to get a little worse. I don't think they're ready yet. I don't think the collapse is fully here yet. Someday, probably when we see one of our presidents wanting to get his horse into the Senate, then we'll know. And when a third of the Senate probably says yes, then we'll know. But I'm in another tribe. You're in another tribe. Let's just bow our heads. Father, I thank you so much that we have been transferred, your word says, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of your love. (laughs) We've been transferred. We've been called out. We're not there anymore. What they do may affect our bodies a little bit. It may affect what we do at the gas pump. It may affect what we buy at the grocery store. But we've been transferred out of that stuff. And we are now a new tribe. And how wonderful it is to think that there are right now myriads times myriads times myriads of people in our tribe in the heavenlies 
cheering and worshiping and calling on you. And in that tribe, one tribe made up of millions of different backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, tongues, languages. I don't know how it all works, but that's the tribe I'm glad I'm a part of. And I want to concentrate on that tribe. And I know that our manual, our handbook, is this word of God. In this new year, Father, help us to set aside all the other tribal foolishness and concentrate on what your word says. Concentrate on who you are in the word. Concentrate on what your word says about us. Focus our attention on the presets and the transcripts that you've given us. Everything we need to know is right here. And we will live successfully in the midst of this wicked generation. And help us, Father, to pluck them as brands from the burning. That's what it's all about. We're plucking them as brands from the burning. It's clear. It's all burning. Help us to pluck them out somehow and give them this word. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand together. Reminded of that passage. Be ready always to give a reason to them that ask of the hope that is within you with meekness and with fear. That's what the world's looking for. They're looking for an answer. And how many know we have it? We have it. And I believe that God does not want us to all become Apostle Pauls. He doesn't all want us to become great teachers and preachers. He just simply wants us to be ready always to give a loving answer with meekness and fear to everybody that asks. And if they don't ask, sometimes I wonder if we should just keep our mouths shut until they ask and they're ready. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise his name. We'll turn around. Bless one another. You're dismissed into his presence. Go forth praising him.